You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. journal or just what you do in your life when you look back on how far God has brought you. When you see how far God has brought you, you know the old saying, I'm not what I should be, I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm certainly not what I was. You know, you see God's hand and how God has miraculously done fantastic things in your own life and where he's brought you. And it's exciting. It's exciting to me. So David remembers all these things. He remembered his humble beginnings as a shepherd boy, and he remembers God's anointing upon his life. Have you ever considered journaling? If you're like most people, you probably find it inconvenient, or you simply don't have time for it. However, as Pastor Dave will discuss in his message today, nothing can be more beneficial to the believer than journaling. In his study, you'll learn how it plays a powerful role in reflecting on God's goodness. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, as he begins his message, What a Mighty God We Serve. Please turn into your Bibles to 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. We're going to be kind of looking at both of those because basically they're very similar. It's kind of like reading the four Gospels. It's a similar account with some differences. Okay, So we'll do that and we'll get through today's study. So if you were here last week, chapter 23 was really a mountaintop experience. It was kind of a mountaintop experience for David because being inspired by the Holy Spirit, David would pen his last psalm. And we studied it as the last words of David that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. He writes this beautiful remembrance, this beautiful look back on what the Lord has done in his life. And you know, I don't think it's a bad idea for us from time to time to look back, not at the old life, but at the new life and to see from whence God has brought us. I think it's okay to look back and and see how far he's brought you and the things that he's taken out of your life. I I was a a journaler for a long time, and I don't journal as much as I used to, and I wish I did because I enjoyed journaling. And one of the things I enjoyed about journaling was going back in the journals, looking at prayers that were answered and various places where I were, places when I cried like a little girl about something that was going wrong in my life and seeing how God had brought me through. It was pretty cool. So if you're a journaler, God bless you. I hope that the Lord would show you some great things and show you how far he has brought you. And I'm always reminded, and I forget where it was we studied. You might know because you're better scholars than I when they built a monument, they called it Ebenezer, because God has brought us this far, and they knew that he would be faithful to take them further. Well, that's what a journal, or just what you do in your life, when you look back on how far God has brought you. When you see how far God has brought you, you know the old saying, I'm not what I should be, I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm certainly not what I was. You know, and you see God's hand, and how God has miraculously done fantastic things in your own life and where he's brought you. And it's exciting. 
it's exciting to me. So David remembers all these things. He remembered his humble beginnings as a shepherd boy. And he remembers God's anointing upon his life. He praises the Lord for his faithfulness. And he remembered how the Holy Spirit spoke through him. David also spoke about the responsibility of God's leader. How the leaders of God's word are, have, have a responsibility. David had won many victories by the hand of the Lord. And he was responsible for a great victories over the Philistines and all of the other tribes that surrounded Israel. But after each victory, after each mountaintop experience, David was vulnerable to Satan's traps. And we are too. You have a mountaintop experience, you go to a retreat or you go to a, a conference or you go to a Bible study or a Sunday morning where the Lord really, really ministered to you and you feel like, well, I'm not even touching the ground when I'm walking. You've had this beautiful mountaintop experience and then all of a sudden you go outside and bam, 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 bam. You get, you get hammered by all these things. You get you're constantly hammered. And it's like, wow, you, you've had this mountaintop experience, you know, and, and we have an enemy who is always lurking about who's always looking to see whom he can devour. In fact, Peter the Apostle writes about our adversary walking around like a lion to see who he can devour. And he says that we need to be vigilant. We need to be steadfast in our faith and hold to what we believe. We need to resist the evil one and he will flee. We need to have these things in our heart. Because if we don't, we're going to end up like David and falling flat on our face. The Lord is merciful and good and will raise us up again and kind of dust us off, but sometimes the consequences are really hard to bear. But when we do fall, and that's what I see happening in David's life today, and as we come to chapter 24, the last chapter in this beautiful, gorgeous book of 2 Samuel, David falls once again. He becomes prey to a trap that is laid out for him by Satan, and he succumbs to the sin of pride. He succumbs once again. Now, I know this is not the end of David, because as you read through 1 Kings, and then when you look at the companion books of 1 Chronicles, you see that David's going to do a lot more things, and we're going to talk about that near the end. David does a lot more things, but it, it's just sad to see this happening to such a, a great guy, a great man. But again, I glean from it, thank you, Lord, for showing me these things, because but for the grace of God, there go I. But for God's grace, I'm, I'm there. So, so let's look at verse 1 of chapter 24. It says, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. God was angry at Israel. Why? We don't know. It doesn't really tell us why God was angry once again at Israel. Many scholars seem to believe that God wasn't angry at the entire Israeli group, but just those who were in rebellion with Absalom against David. It's plausible, but we don't know, because the Scriptures are silent. And where they're silent, we need to be silent as well. We need to not look and just put conjecture in there, because it's not God's Word. But we're not given that information, but we read that the Lord has this burning anger towards his people, and he had David move against them and number them. Now, most of those scholars think that the New King James here puts a capital H there, meaning God had David do this. Anytime you see a capital He or a capital Y for you or whatever, it's talking about God 
himself. We read this. So, but if you go to 1 Chronicles 21, 1, it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So, who did it? Was it Satan or was it God? Who did it? It's interesting. The consensus is both. The consensus is both. Let me explain. God permitted Satan to tempt David in order to accomplish his purposes that he had in mind. God allowed Satan to tempt David to accomplish the purposes that God had in mind. This should not surprise us. This really shouldn't surprise us because we just said, even in the New Testament time, Peter said our adversary the devil was roaring like a lion walking around. We know in the Old Testament that Satan opposed the saints of God all the time. And there are four instances in the Bible where it is recorded that Satan actually had and openly worked in their lives. In, well, what's the first one? Come on. Well, that's the second one. A little bit earlier than that. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, absolutely. Adam and Eve, right. Adam and Eve. And then, of course, Job is the one that we most recognize because it clearly says in Job that Satan was kind of walking around the throne room kind of like, hey, this is great, you know, talking to God. But also in Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3, and then, of course, here with David. When we read 1 Chronicle account, it kind of boggles our minds to think that the enemy was directly responsible for impressing David's mind with this wayward thought of pride. But it's just like our enemy. It's just like our enemy. We need to be ever aware of Satan's schemes as he continues to tempt us. God does not tempt us. Get that correct. That's Scripture. God does not tempt us. He allows Satan to do certain things in our lives. But the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says that we shouldn't be ignorant to Satan's schemes. We should not be ignorant to Satan's schemes. The Greek word for here for schemes has a root word meaning mind. In other words, we shouldn't be ignorant of the enemy's ability to mess with our minds. He loves to mess with your mind. You know, so many times on a Monday night, Mark will be teaching, and I've taught before, we say, don't let them get in your head. Don't let them get in there. Don't let them take up space in your head so he can start doing all these crazy things because where is the fight? Where's the battle? In your mind. The battle is in your mind. And he gets in there and he starts planning all these thoughts and all these words. What did Paul tell us? We had the scripture on Sunday. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your minds. The renewing of your minds to what you know is truth. We need to renew our minds to the truth. And what is the truth? The gospel message of Jesus Christ. The gospel message of Jesus Christ. We need to renew our minds to what took place on a cross for us. Our minds need to be renewed. We did that Sunday when we had communion. We remember what Jesus did for us. That's renewing our mind. Our minds are being renewed right now as you come, giving up a Wednesday, sitting and listening to God's word. Your minds are being renewed to what most of us already know. But Paul says it's not grievous that I tell you this. It's not tedious that I remind you. I should remind you often because we're just like David. We tend to forget. 
We tend to forget. And the next thing you know, Satan's messing with our mind. So David's coming down off of this top, mountaintop experience. He wrote this beautiful psalm, the last words of his life. He had these 30 strong men who were around him and surrounded him and, and helped him win many ba uh, battles. And all of a sudden, Satan says, hey, let's see how big your kingdom is. Let's, let's see how big your force is, your fighting force. Let's see how popular you are. Let's see how popular you are. Let's see how many people like you. David bought it hook, line, and sinker. David bought it hook, line, and sinker. Let's read 2 through 9. So the king, David, said to Joab, I'm back in 2 Samuel. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go there throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of the Lord the king see it. But why does the Lord, the, why does my Lord the king desire this thing? God love Joab. I want to be surrounded by people like Joab. You're going a little bit too far there, bud. You better pull back on the reins. What are you trying to do here? Nevertheless, the king's word, the king's word prevailed. Yeah, when the king says something, you usually don't argue with it too long, right? Against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan and camped at Aurur on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad and toward Jazar. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Titham, Hushtai, and came to Dan, Jahan, and around to Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to South Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel... 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. 1.3 million men. Remember, in this society, they were counting men. The census took the men. So if you look at this and you kind of figure out men here, probably we're talking about 6 million people total in the nation. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. We're not sure. Now, First of all, there's nothing wrong with taking a census if it's done the way God had prescribed it. God specifically prescribed the way to take a census way back in the book of Exodus in chapter 30. You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for you. And he basically says this in a couple verses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, and there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, a half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is twenty geras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more than the poor shall not give less than a half shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for service of the tabernacle of the meeting, and it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement 
for yourselves. So it's okay to take a census. But in these verses, it says each man has to give a ransom for himself, a half shekel, so that no plague would defall them. The census would be for men 20 years and older. The money would be used for the service of the tabernacle. But David didn't number the people this way. David had a prideful motive for numbering the people. He wanted to see how strong of a fighting force he had. He wanted to see how much people liked him and how people were going to vote for him. Joab questioned David numbering the people. He warned David against the idea. But Joab had it right. May the Lord God add to the people a hundred times more. Now that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know, it's always a fight. Always a fight not to number the people. It's always a fight. Look at who you are. There's always a want to know, well, how many people were there? Because as a human, we measure success by numbers. We think the more people, the better it is. That's not necessarily God's way. I remember back in the old church, the Lord finally cured me, almost, of this problem. <laughs> I say almost. The Wednesday night, and there were nearly four or five of us in there, including the worship team. I think there ended up being seven total out there as I was teaching God's Word. And I was not happy. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you doing? This, uh, come on, I, I, I don't understand what's going on. And I'll tell you what, he has never spoken to me audibly, but man, this came across my heart so much. He said, if these seven people were in your living room, you'd be praising me. Because seven people in my living room would be crowded. We'd be arm to arm. I went, oh, yeah. So I, okay. Numbers. We struggle with numbers, and it's a human tactic. It is human to do that. But Acts 2.47. Acts 2.47 clearly says that they did these things. If you go from 2.42 to 2.47, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, in fellowship and prayer. If you go through that, and it talks about that, it gets to 47, it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. The Lord, exactly what Joab was saying. May the Lord add to your numbers. Why do you have to number them? But the church today is spending all kinds of efforts, all kinds of monies to get numbers, to get more people than the people down the street, to get numbers. I get so much mail. I get so much email. I get so much Facebook mail from groups trying to say, you need this philosophy in your church. It'll get your people to give more. You need this philosophy in church. It'll get your people to bring more people to church. You need this. You need that. You need this. Not one of them says anything about the Word of God. Not one of them. But they all have these plans. They all have these perfect plans of a church and how we can raise our numbers. Well, you know what, folks? It's not up to me to raise the numbers of the church. It's up to God. God brings those who would be saved. God adds to the church daily. He's the one that adds. But no, we have to have an advertising program. We have to advertise here, advertise there. We have to have flashing lights. Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel. You know, we have to put it all over the place. That's not the way it works. There's people out there who say, we'll come into your church, and we'll make it a thriving church, and we'll do this and do it. Well, hey, wait, come in and visit my church. This is a thriving church. 
This is a church that's alive in the Holy Spirit. This is a church doing mighty works. This is a church. The Lord's doing something here. Just come in and stay a while. We don't rely on programs. We don't rely on these things. Yes, your pastor likes to do certain things. Yes, I do. Every time I pull my calendar out, I have to fight with these leaders of yours to get something on the calendar. But yes, I like to do things. I like to show the community that we're alive. I believe in them. But you guys are alive. Holy Spirit is moving mightily in here. Goodness gracious, if you were here on last Sunday for this first week in December and saw all the crowd we have, my goodness. The Lord is doing something special here. People come to me and actually have the word nerve to say, the word of God doesn't work anymore. Times have changed. Really? What about God has changed? What about God has changed? You mean the cross doesn't work anymore? I mean, I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. People are no longer relying on God. They're no longer relying on the Holy Spirit. But they're relying on all these sort of things and all these stuff. Come, let us entertain you. Blue smoke, mirrors. Calm down, Marcus. All kinds of flashy things. Sorry. It's not what it's about. And if that's why you're here and you're looking for it, I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. That's not what God wants. God's looking for a heart. He's looking for hearts, hearts that will reach others. He's given us a promise, and the promise says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God has given us a great promise, and that's the power behind any ministry. Zechariah had it right. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And that's where it goes. If I trust in God and do my part, He's going to do his part. I got news for you. Even if I fumble at my part, he's still going to do his part. And that's all I'm trusting in is God. And he has done a mighty work. And I am just never, ever thankful to him. That's why we keep talking about the cross. That's why we keep talking about the Holy Spirit. That's why we keep talking about these things. God's doing the work. It's not mine to do. And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. So David numbered the people, and in 1 Chronicles 21, 7, it says, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. Now, God was angry at Israel, and he allowed Satan to do something in, in David's heart, and then God was angry at it, and he has to correct David. This is puzzlement to me, guys. I'm a little confused here, but God's in control, and the thing that David did displeased God. He didn't do it the right way. And if you look at verse 10, back in Samuel 24, look what happened. Now, verse 10. After David heard the words that were spoken to him by Joab, listen to what it says. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done foolishly. Realizing his own sin, realizing his foolish pride, David now confesses to the Lord. And you know what? I love this about David. I love this about David, because as soon as David realizes his sin, what does he do? Confesses to the Lord. You are assured.
The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of King David as he's finally able to ascend the throne. Though he seemed to have achieved God's calling on his life, David's journey wasn't free of problems. David was still human, and he made mistakes that affected him and those he loved. But during the rest of his life, no matter where it took him, David remained a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David consistently turned back to his heavenly father, confessing and asking for forgiveness. David knew he wasn't perfect and that he needed the mercy only God could provide. Today, we hope you too remember that God's mercy is worth seeking. He's provided for you the grace you need to live free from your sin through the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die on the cross in your place, taking the punishment your sins deserved. Would you like to know more about having your sins forgiven? Please visit our website then, assurehoperadio.com. Click on How to Be Saved to learn all about what Jesus has done for you and why you need His grace in your life. If you still have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us, 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in today. You can hear more messages like this from Pastor Dave at our website as well. Just click on podcasts slash radio when you visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.